I spoke to our chaplain, Chaplain Ben Brown, this morning, uh, thinking that he was already in Qatar, and he is not. He is in Iowa. Uh, he's actually had some time. Uh, his flight was delayed, so he is going to be uh, visiting family for the next couple days. And so he will be leaving on Tuesday instead of last Thursday. Uh, so apparently even the Air Force has flight delays. And uh, so he will make his way to Qatar uh, coming up. Um, is everybody done with school? Are we all done with school so far? Everybody done with school? It's back. We got our summer vacation now. I, I know some of my friends that are taking summer classes. Sorry about that. Uh, sorry that school is not done for you. It's just starting. I was thinking about my classes uh, in my college courses the second time around uh, when I was going into seminary school. And most of my classes were wonderful. Most of them were fantastic. I Learned a lot. I enjoyed the experience, but there were there were two classes that were offered back to back that it was just all I could do to get through these two classes. I just I couldn't connect with them. You'd think that I'd be able to. They were systematic theology one and two. Now you'd think that I, I would enjoy those, and I did enjoy the the uh, the class. But the textbooks were the most boring things I've ever read in my entire life. And so if you need a nap, I have them in my office. You're free to borrow them if you can't sleep. I hope that now since we're talking this systematic theology here in our service today in the sermon that it won't be a nap producing time for you today. But uh, um, <clears throat> I think I made the vow way back then that although that material was immensely complex, in order for us mere mortals who understand it, God needs to be presented in a way that we can understand who he is. He has to be presented in a language that someone who's not a seminary professor or the author of those books would understand. Um, We've had a slight delay in our plans here of, of this sermon series, and the plan was originally that I would be preaching about the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, but it didn't work out that way. Uh, so you get my version of systemic theology today, um, and I pray that this isn't drudgery like it was for me in school. But a few weeks ago, I started with the triune God we talked about one God being three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's an immensely complex idea that I, I don't know that we fully comprehend it, yet it's fundamental to our faith. And so today we're talking about God as our Father. And it's also a concept that we need to understand in order to, to get God, in order to understand who he is. I think this is probably a familiar way for us to talk about God. We, we talk about God this way all the time. We talk about God being our father. But what does that really mean? Now, it's interesting to me that up until the time of Jesus, all the people before Jesus, all the people around Jesus during his time, none of them referred to God as their father. They just didn't do that. 
uh, until Jesus, this was a, a foreign concept for them. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 2 says, tells us to fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and his commands. Isaiah 49, verse 23 says, Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. It seems like in, in any of those verses, God could have referred to himself as a father, but, but he didn't. 66 times in the Old Testament, God says, know that I am God. 39 times he's referred to as the Lord God Almighty. There's other times when different names are, are used to refer to God. And um, he's referred to as Elohim, Yahweh, Jehovah, Adonai, among others. And all of these were acceptable names for God. And up until the time of Jesus, the Jews revered the, the actual name of God so much that they wouldn't say his actual name. However, when Jesus changed, this changed. Because when Jesus came as God in the flesh, God left the heavens and came to earth to be with us. And when Jesus died on the cross, he removed all of the sin that would separate us from God. When Jesus shed his blood, he eliminated the debt that held us in bondage. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he rescued us from the penalty that our sin would put upon us. And then when we put our faith in Jesus for our salvation, that wall of separation that keeps a sinful person away from the presence of a holy God, that wall is destroyed. And it's because of Jesus that we no longer have to wonder if we're worthy enough that we would make it into heaven. No longer do we have to worry if heaven is going to be our eternal home if we have given our lives to Christ? We can own this glorious expectation of, of what is to come, and we can have this amazing proclamation that we once again have a direct access to God through Jesus the Son. And now we have access to God through Jesus. Because of that, we are adopted into the family of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And then in verse 18, same chapter, it says, for through him, Jesus, we have access to the Father. We were created, we were created, all the way back with Adam and Eve, we were created to have access to the Father, but because of sin, we have been separated. But because of Jesus the Son, we now have access to the Father. The Father. 
It's a, it's a radical term for us to refer to God, the creator of everything, the creator of, of our universe, to refer to him as Father. In the Old Testament, there, there were some uh, references to God as Father, but he was called the Father to the kings, or he was called the Father to Israel. He was never referred to as his personal Father. But because of what Jesus has done, we now have a father in heaven. And this means that God is no longer far. God is no longer aloof from us, but God is very near. God is no longer way out there, but God is in here. That's the difference. And that's all because of Jesus's death and his resurrection that made that possible for us. Listen to this verse in Hebrews chapter 4. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I don't know about you, church, but that sounds like some pretty good news to me, that we can approach the throne of God boldly. Amen? As glorious and as holy and as majestic as God is, God is also approachable because he is our father. So Jesus broke down this barrier to his father so that you and I can now have access to the father. As heavenly father, God, the supreme being that, that was feared and he was awed and he was revered is now also our heavenly daddy that we can, in a way, snuggle up close to just like his children. And Jesus has literally changed the way that you and I get to approach God. See, back in, in those biblical times, people had a lot of names for God. And all of these names had something to do with his characteristic. Uh, they would think of a characteristic and he had different names. They're, they're written down in your notes there. We're going to go through these real fast here. So these are some of the names of God. Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Jehovah Ratha, which means the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. And Jehovah Shabaoth, which means the Lord of hosts. But none of these names, none of these titles of God has an, an intimate and a personal and a warm and, and, a, and a friendly, endearing title as calling God our Father. Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name. And later he says, I and the Father are one. And then he says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. 
And, and the, what Jesus was saying there, uh, that when God is our father, we can say, Abba, Father. Because the sacrifice and, and the victory of the son allows us to become children of the father. Now that word Abba is an Ar, uh, Aramaic word. It was a language that Jesus uh, would have spoken and it means a whole lot more than our title of father. We've talked about this before, but Abba is actually a term of endearment that more closely resembles our words like Papa or dad, or daddy. And so it's interesting to me that when the disciples heard Jesus praying, that there was obviously something different about the way that he prayed. Why is he referring to, to Jehovah as dad? Why would he pray to Jehovah Jireh as daddy? That's not how we learned how to pray back in, in synagogue and in our Jewish schools. That's not how we learned to, to refer to God at all. So why is Jesus doing that? And so there was a time they asked him, Jesus, then teach us how to pray. And so Jesus gave them a model of prayer, and we call it the Lord's Prayer today. Just uh, if you know it, what's the first couple words of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father. Our Father. See, when we pray our Father, Jesus is actually communicating what this relationship should, should look like for us. And, and so if you want to write these down, the first one is this. It, by saying our Father, it tells us that we are in a family with Jesus and God. You see, there's two families in the world. There's the family of God who calls God their father and is, is part of the family of God because of Jesus. But there's also the family of the world who cannot call Jesus father. And that's because Jesus said in John 14, he said, I am the way, I am the truth and the life, and no one comes to the father except through me. Now, one of the arguments that I hear a, a lot of against Christianity is people say, well, Christianity is very exclusive. You, there, people think that there's multiple ways that you can come to God. That's not true. It, they, they think that coming to God should be just open for everyone. But Jesus says, no one can come to the Father except through him. So it's because of his sacrifice, it's because of his payment for our sin that we are allowed to enter into that holy space with God. If you try to approach God in any other way than going through his son, you will fall short every single time. It's the only way. Yet when you approach God through Jesus, you, you claim what's written in 1 John chapter 3, which says, how great is the love of the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And it's all because, because we are God's children, you can come to God anytime you want. 
anytime, anywhere that you are, you can come to him. No matter where you are, you can talk to God in the car. Just don't close your eyes when you're doing that if you're driving. You can talk to God at Aldi's while you're mowing the lawn. You can talk to God in times of plenty or you can talk to God in times of want. God, your father, is always accessible. God, your father, is always around you. He's over you. He's in you, which means he can hear you when you pray. He can hear you when you pray aloud, and he can hear you when you pray silently. King David in the Old Testament once said, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and you know when I rise You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. And you are familiar with all of my ways. The unfortunate thing for us, and we don't try to do this, but we we just naturally do it, I think, is, is we see God the Father through the same lens that we look at our earthly fathers. Listen, if my kids said that verse about me, it would freak them out. My dad knows when I sit and when I lay down, my dad knows all of my thoughts. Listen, I love both of my boys, but they don't want me to know all of their thoughts, right? It seems like this is a little intrusive to think that, that God the Father knows his children in this manner, that he knows everything about you, and that he, he even knows your thoughts. But it seems that way because we see God through the lens of our earthly dads. It's because we're looking at God the Father through our earthly father. Now, I can try really hard to be a perfect father to my boys, but I am going to come up short every single time. I'm not going to be a perfect father. I will never achieve perfection in that way. But God the Father already has. So it isn't intrusive to to know that Jesus and your father know everything about you when you realize that their heart is pure. They want the absolute best for you. They are wiser than any earthly father that has ever lived. And God, the perfect father, has allowed you to become his children. And you can pray to the father when you're scared. Just just like maybe a little boy would run into his dad's room if he's afraid. You can run to your heavenly father when when you're happy and you're glad, just like a child would run to their dad to tell him about this achievement that they've done or something that they're very proud of. You can do that with God, the Father. And the second thing that Jesus is telling us here is that God wants us to call him Father. Now, Jesus could have said, when you pray, say, my Lord. He could have said that. And that would have shown God's sovereignty over us, right? But, but Jesus wanted us to know something more than God's control over our life. Jesus could have said, when you pray, say, dear master. Because master, in a biblical sense, meant teacher. And that would have shown that we should listen to God and we should come under God's direction. But 
Jesus wanted us to know more about God than somebody who just gives us good advice. Jesus could have informed his disciples, when you pray, say, my shepherd. Well, that would have told them that God is always caring for us, but God does more than just care for us. Jesus could have instructed them, when you pray, say, hail, king. It would have shown his rule over us and the world, but God wanted to, or Jesus wanted to show us a, a better way to relate to God. So instead of any of those terms, Jesus encouraged us to talk to God in a more intimate way. And so he said, when you pray, say, our Father. I want you to think about that. When you come into a time of prayer, when you pray, you're like the child of a king who gets to walk into the presence of his father anytime he wants to. No guards are going to stop you. You don't have to make an appointment with the secretary. He is available to you anytime. You are your father's child and you have direct and immediate access to him whenever you need it. So when you pray our father, you know that you belong to God and you can come to him whenever you need him. Thirdly, Jesus wants to go to the wants us to go to the father with him. I love this. Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever thought about that? Why the Lord's prayer starts with those two words, our father? Why not just speak and say, father, hallowed be thy name. But that's not how Jesus taught us. He said, our father. Jesus could have compared our relationship to God with, with our earthly fathers, but Jesus didn't just call God a father. Jesus could have referred to God as the father. That would have pointed out how unique God is, that God is the one and only father. It would have meant that he's the only father for us. But Jesus didn't tell us to refer to God as the father. Jesus could have said, hey, you need to get the Lord's attention by just saying, hey, God, God, right? As if we had to wake him up and get his attention. So he starts paying attention to us. So he starts listening to our prayers. And, and the older I get, the more that my boys have to yell out, dad, 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 right? So why do we not call God one of those many names from the Old Testament? Why didn't Jesus tell us to refer to him as, as any of those things? Why don't we pray and say Adonai or Elohim or Jehovah? Why did, why did Jesus tell us to use that plural pronoun, our, when addressing God? Why did he introduce his prayer by saying, when you pray, say, our father. Was it because his disciples came to him and, and said, hey, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus gave them just this corporate lesson so that whenever they came together, they would refer to God as their father and then go into their worship service or whatever it was. 
You know, some people think that the Lord's Prayer has that plural pronoun because you should never say it in private. That you should, can only say the Lord's Prayer in corporate worship. See, all these views are interesting, but I want you to notice, though, who's teaching us how to pray? Who's teaching us? It's Jesus. And he taught us to say, our Father. So those who heard what Jesus said realized that he was inviting them to pray with him. He meant for us to pray with him. And so when we pray our Father... It means that the relationship that Jesus has with the Father, we now can have with him as well. And that relationship that once just belonged to to Jesus now belongs to us. And whenever we approach the Father, we go with him. And the reason he comes with me is because I now have access to the Father, just like he does. When we come to God praying, our Father. It's like saying, we, Jesus and I are are coming to you in prayer, God, because he is the way and the truth and the life and no one will come to the Father except through him. See, Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 13, he says, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Let me ask you, how many of you when you pray, now this isn't uh, saying anything bad, I'm not saying anybody's wrong, I do it myself. How many of you when you pray, you end your prayer by saying, in Jesus' name? Anybody here? I do it all the time, right? But we don't end the Lord's Prayer that way. We begin the Lord's Prayer this way. So I don't think it's wrong to say it at the end. I just think that we're missing this powerful image of approaching the throne of God together, hand in hand with our brother, Jesus Christ. God is our Father. See, the Bible records many prayers and gives many different ways to approach God using a whole bunch of different titles, but The way the Son of God taught us to pray is to say our Father. And so this week, as as you are home and you're going through your own prayers, I encourage you to to linger a little bit longer with your your heavenly Father. I, I encourage you to spend some time thinking that you are talking to your dad, your heavenly Father. And so let's close our service today by saying the Lord's Prayer together. And we're going to be using the King James Version of of the Bible. This, I think, is probably a lot of how a lot of us were taught this prayer in this version. Uh, So out of reverence for this, would you stand with me today? Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you that you are approachable as a dad. You are a good, good father and worthy of our prayer, praise. And Lord, as a father, you care very deeply for your children. And thank you that as we approach you, as we approach the throne of God, that we recognize it's only because of the sacrifice of your son. It's the only reason why a sinful creature can be in the presence of a holy God. Now, Father, we ask that you bring your attention to all of our needs today. Within this congregation are so many different requests, and may your blessing fall upon each of us who call upon you as our heavenly Father, our Dad, our Daddy, our Abba. And all of us say together, amen.